So let's talk a little bit about the potential for outsourcing radiology. Well, what's interesting about that is I think that there's a common perception among people that say, well, pretty soon our jobs are going to be outsourced to other countries. And in fact, is it really true? An interesting paper came out of MIT, Frank Levy and Kyung Yi. Basically, what they said is the following. U.S. doctors have a professional dominance in which they themselves determine who can legally practice medicine, a power that software programmers, call center operators, and production workers do not have. Not surprisingly, U.S. doctors set high hurdles. Now, to think about it, to legally read images for radiologists, they go on to say the following. A radiologist must have completed a U.S. medical residency, passed the U.S. medical boards, be licensed in the state where the image was taken and have privileges in the hospital where the image was taken. And a radiologist who doesn't do those things can't get malpractice insurance. Now, what's interesting about that is that really at this point in time, and of course everything can change, so things can change on the drop of a hat, but at this point in time, the idea that radiology services are going to be outsourced to distant lands is one that is theoretical and not necessarily something that faces us all the time. Really, there's something else that I think at this point in time we need to be more cognizant of, and that is the fact that the playing field has been leveled to some extent. So with PACS, the potential for off-site competition is here already. And when we say off-site, we don't necessarily mean off-site in a distant land by a non-U.S. trained physician. We mean off-site by potentially a competing practice that is in a different state that potentially could be making a bid at our own hospital contract. And that is something that we need to be aware of from a competitive standpoint. So certainly there has been some degree of globalization and images are now portable. And to some extent, our competition might not necessarily be the practice down the street, but it could be a practice in another state that is willing to read our exams and willing to offer potentially what they would consider to be a more competitive overall picture than our current practice. So outsourcing by non-U.S. trained physicians in, in distant lands is probably something that is not an immediate worry. Certainly there are examples of U.S. trained physicians that operate in other places. So there are people that potentially are in Australia, right? We know that. There are people that are in Israel. There are people that are in other countries, but those in general are U.S. trained physicians that have U.S. licenses. And that's really a little bit different than when we say, well, all of our radiology is going to be outsourced to non-U.S. trained physicians in totally distant lands for significantly less. That's probably not something that is on the horizon that soon. Poor job market. An interesting article from the New York Times, March 2013, and here's the headline. Job prospects are dimming for radiology trainees. And the web access is down there at the bottom of the slide. They go on to say the following. For years, medical students who chose a residency in radiology were said to be on the road to happiness. The acronym highlighted the specialties, the road acronym, radiology, ophthalmology, anesthesiology, and dermatology, that basically led to a happy life. Okay. They then talk about the following. They say, well, is that really true anymore? Recent radiology graduates have huge medical school debts. They can't find work, let alone the dream jobs that beckoned as they signed on for five to seven years of relatively low-paid labor as trainees. 
It's kind of interesting when we look at this data to compare ourselves to other fields. And basically we did this when we looked at compensation data. We did this when we took a look at time off data. Here's kind of an interesting point in terms of the job growth for physicians in general. Forbes magazine in an interesting article, the top 10 most secure jobs by Vicki Salemi. What's one of them? Physicians and surgeons. Why is it secure? As the population and healthcare related industries expand, the need for highly skilled physicians and surgeons remains intact. Another way of looking at this data, another source of the data, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the job outlook for physicians and surgeons is 24% from 2010 to 2020 faster than average. Now, why is that? Robert Trog had an interesting article, and basically here is what he says. Between 2010 and 2005, all United States age groups 70 and above will increase over 95%. Now, again, is that an exact number? Potentially not, but certainly we know that the U.S. demographic is changing and people are living longer. The other thing that's happening is that eventually physicians that have postponed retirement will retire. So it's estimated that as many as one-third of today's practicing physicians will retire by the year of 2020. If we take a look at radiologists as a whole, he goes on to say the following, some radiologists are postponing retirement, but even a three to five year delay won't address the impending loss of experienced physicians. So the bottom line is we take a look at the demographics here. Lifespans are increasing and we do amazing work, right? Imaging, the amount that we can diagnose by imaging goes up. The amount that we can see, the way that we can assess treatment response, the way that we can diagnose disease. So the bottom line is that the need for appropriate imaging will probably increase over time, not necessarily decrease. Now, that doesn't mean that we, as radiologists, don't need to be cognizant of what is appropriate imaging and what is not appropriate imaging. And that's where things like decision support and order entry come in and where appropriateness criteria come in. But if we take a look at appropriate imaging, it's probably going to increase over time in terms of market need. What about this idea of the potential for isolation? Well, let's take a look at PACs, right? So those of us that practiced in the days before PACs when films were hung on the rolling view boxes and you remember what those look like, a lot of times you would talk to your colleagues between film hangings, right? So somebody was going to take down the films and then they were going to put up a new set of films on the view box that left you some time to talk to your colleagues, potentially to talk to referring doctors, potentially to consult on interesting cases. That's gone now. And so basically that means potentially less time for that type of consultative service. Interestingly enough, if we take a look at some of the things that have been written by teleradiologists, they talk about the benefits of teleradiology and they say the following, working remotely inherently guarantees that you'll never get called away from your desk to place an IV or spend five to 10 minutes in the sonography room. Now that's true and that's certainly attractive to some teleradiologists and particularly the person who wrote this saying that that's a benefit and potentially it could be when viewed at in one sphere but let's take a look at it from another sphere could this potentially produce issues with radiology's value in the future let's talk a little bit about new payment systems and again realize that every threat is an opportunity are new payment systems a threat or are they an opportunity well in general let's take a look at two of them and just paint some broad brush strokes here a bundle payment the healthcare provider receives a single payment for the technical and professional components of an episode of care. So basically what happens is 
the concept here is somebody comes in with heart disease and basically the provider gets a certain payment for the first 30 days of that healthcare episode and that's divided up among the doctors and among the facilities that are providing that care. What about an accountable care organization? The theory is that healthcare providers coordinate the care with the goal of achieving better outcomes for less costs. And the idea is, is that some of those savings potentially could be passed on to the providers and that's called shared savings. That's what that means. Shared savings are shared between the payer and between the providers. Now, what do those payment systems require? Gail Morrison has an interesting article in Academic Medicine 2010 saying the following. Gail Morrison and her co-authors. Physician of the 21st century will face a very different set of challenges with an emphasis on coordinating the care of patients and the application of array of technologies that require teams of experts for their, for their successful implementation. So the bottom line is that when we think about the idea of working remotely and working in an isolated place independent of the rest of the care providers, is that something that serves us well in the long term? Well, the answer is it's like any other question. It depends. Certainly there's a place for that, but there's also a place for radiology to become really truly integrated into the team. People have talked about the idea of differentiating service lines or posting radiologists in areas, let's say the musculoskeletal radiologist goes to the orthopedic office or the emergency room radiologist actually goes to the emergency room so that the radiologist is more integrated with the team. And when we look at future payment systems, we realize that that is something that certainly is probably going to happen in some cases. So maybe we can use the collaborative payment systems and the new payment systems as an opportunity to integrate ourselves more fully in the team in some cases. What does this word mean? Merriam-Webster's dictionary, schmooze, right? Definition of schmooze. To converse informally or to chat in a friendly and persuasive manner as to gain favor, business, or connections, or to integrate ourselves. So the bottom line is that obviously this is a concept that we know when we talk to people, we have the ability to become more integrated into the care team. And if we think about this in terms of our own practices, what about the interdisciplinary the interdisciplinary conferences, right? The conferences that we do with other caretakers, the surgeons, the oncologists, the pulmonologists. How do we deal with that? Well, there's certainly an opportunity for radiology to basically reintegrate itself into care teams. Obviously, we are integrated to some extent, and that integration is good, but as we move to future payment systems, potentially that amount of integration is going to increase even more so, because the idea behind future payment systems is they say, we want physicians and ancillary personnel and all healthcare providers to cooperate among themselves in multiple disciplines to basically give better care and in the process, hopefully save some money too, so that we can provide the best care, the greatest care to the greatest number of people in the most cost efficacious way. Picking up on that, we think about radiology's uncertain place in new payment systems. Let me give you one other concept that I wanna kind of throw out at you or I want you to be familiar with, and that is the idea of population health. And what does that say? It's basically a paradigm where healthcare providers or organizations have the goal of keeping entire populations healthy rather than only caring for people when they are sick. And what does that mean? The idea behind it is that right now, if we look at healthcare providers, they don't really provide healthcare until somebody gets sick. Once somebody walks in the door and they're sick, 
then they treat them. The point of population health is to say, we are going to try to keep people healthy so that we minimize their entrance into the hospital. We minimize their need for surgeries. We minimize their need for very cost-intensive interventions. And instead, we maximize the health of the whole population so that we can deliver the greatest amount of care and the best care to people at basically the most cost-effective manner. And what is radiology's role in that? Interesting article came out in the Journal of the American College of Radiology, 2008, Daniel Malura and colleagues. Radiology and public health have an emerging opportunity to collaborate in which radiology's vast supply of imaging data can be integrated into public health information systems for epidemiologic assessments and responses to population health problems. And what do they talk about? They talk about the fact that with PACS, radiology is portable. There's easy transmission of radiologic data. There's the ability to characterize disease patterns and progression over time. And there's imaging in nearly all medical and surgical subspecialties. So that wide application of radiology in a variety of medical and subspecialties allows us to track the effectiveness of treatments and of interventions. They also talk about SARS, and here's some data from the CDC, but it's also in the previous article that we talked about. SARS first reported in Asia February 2013 spreads to more than 24 countries in 2003 before the outbreak is contained. And basically they say that radiology played a huge role in SARS, track disease incidents, because there were specific findings or characteristic findings, not necessarily specific of SARS, and radiology was important. But it doesn't end there. If we think about it, what is the, what is the resist criteria for solid tumors? A way of tracking the effectiveness of treatments by imaging, right? Is the tumor getting bigger? Is the tumor getting smaller? Is the treatment working? Is the treatment not working? The same thing in infectious disease. The same thing in inflammatory disease. So really, radiology has tremendous data in terms of tracking the effectiveness of treatments that can be used to overall improve population health rather than just one particular patient. And that's kind of the idea behind basically taking radiology data, moving it beyond just the acutely ill person, and saying, how can we harness that data to improve overall population health? Interesting article in the Journal of the American College of Radiology, 2013, a hospital CEO perspective, Radiology should lead the way in reforming healthcare delivery. So we've talked about a bunch of things. I kind of want to leave you with a, a couple of conclusions. Yes, there are challenges ahead. There are challenges in reimbursement. There are economic challenges. There are challenges really have to do with controlling healthcare costs and trying to figure out a way to deliver the best care to the most people in the most cost-effective manner. But there's also much to be optimistic about. Physicians will likely be paid comparatively, well-paid to other people, even with high educations and high training. Our work is interesting and vital. We have opportunities to improve the patient experience and to differentiate ourselves and to add value. Given the shift in demographics and the overall aging of the population, at least in the United States, the radiology job market will likely eventually improve. And there are opportunities to transform radiology in the future in terms of data analysis and population health. So the bottom line is the future is bright. And I thank you very much for listening.